You are listening to the Holy Cannoli Podcast. It's all about making sense of life, who we are, and why we're here. Life is sacred and life is strange. And here's our dad, Tony Gapastone. All right. Episode 54. Of the Holy Cannoli Podcast. But it's part three of our series of Confessions of a Pasta. Oh, that like... sounded like pasta. <laughs> Confessions of a pasta. Confessions of a pasta. A rigatoni. Pasta pasta. Pasta pasta. That'd be a great name. So we're in pasta. season two of Holy <laughs> Cannoli. <laughs> yeah, if you're following along on iTunes, you can actually put different, you know, specific delegations. Or what am I trying to say? You can make delineations of your episodes. And since we are like over the 50 mark, I'm like, let's just make this the next season. We've been doing this for a year now, basically. So it's time to start a season two, which is why we did a whole new series on pasta. I love it. <laughs> you could just call something season two yeah, and then just go for it. It is. Wow. Okay. So confessions of a pastor. I wanted to do a podcast series on just talking real, like real talk, which we always try to do real talk, but is I'm in this new role uh, for my third month as a co-pastor of a church and I'm still in process of figuring out what in the world do I think and believe and want and need and man, there's so much going on in culture and the world and in, you know, in quote unquote Christianity, which my wife last week told me I needed to retire my quote. You got your quotes. one time and now you stop. Now you don't get to say it. So the I only rest get to say episode. that one time. Let's see how many times I actually want to say it because I guess I do say it a lot. I think if you, you listen to last episode, <laughs> I want to say in the first five minutes, you said it twice. <laughs> so we'll just do once and oh then can find I do, another can way. Can I do the air, sure. the air with my fingers that nobody will actually see? Okay. All right. So we decided this episode. Confessions Part 3, we're going to talk about two things. Communion and, and Sunday, Sunday School. school. <laughs> Which should we do first? Sunday School. Let's do Sunday School first. I asked and then I answered. Yep. Okay, so my first re- memories, my first memories of Sunday School. I actually went to a Sunday School when I was in middle school because my parents were divorced my dad practiced Catholic faith, and we rarely went on a Sunday with my dad. But um, we'd go during Easter or Christmas, which I always loved. But it was like Christmas mass at night. Right. It okay. wasn't a Sunday school right. situation. But my mom, when she was trying to explore her faith, uh, chose to go to this little neighborhood church building. I believe it was a congregational church. And I actually kind of liked it in my late elementary school and early middle school, there mm-hmm. was a pastor there that I really liked and he always wore the robes. And I think, <laughs> I think one time I sang in the choir too, or they had like a Christmas musical. I could almost, oh my gosh, wow. it's coming back to me right now. <laughs> oh shoot. Oh shoot. It's coming back to me right now. <laughs> I played a bell. What? Okay. Hear this. Oh my gosh. It's coming to me. Let me just see if I can sing it. Hold on. I might have to edit You're gonna this out. Sing? I might have to edit it out. <laughs> I can remember a chorus. Oh boy. My name is Grumpy Bell. <laughs> I'm sure that you can tell. Oh my gosh. It's very plain to see. Oh, I, I gotta start this over. I gotta stop it. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on. Because I'm laughing. 
My name is Grumpy <laughs> Bell. <laughs> My name is Grumpy Bell. I'm sure that you can tell. <laughs> it's very plain to see. I'm grumpy as can be. Oh my gosh, that just <gasps> came back to me. I think it was about saving this church bell, and I was like the grumpy bell, and they had to share the love of God with me. I just... My ju- I gosh. can't even know where that pulled that Can out of. Can we dig that up? I want to find that <laughs> no, play. No, because we didn't, we didn't even have like DVD or what do you call like a camcorders to record it back then. <laughs> but I'm flashing back. I was wearing a big cardboard bell oh, painted and I was the grumpy guy. And you were in middle school? No, it was like okay. maybe fifth grade. Okay. I think fifth grade. Wow. <laughs> wow. I haven't thought about that in 27 years. That's amazing. That was beautiful. Okay, going back to... <laughs> I, I really liked this church Sunday school experience. I felt like, um, you know, I just, even back then I longed for some connection. You know, my parents were had divorced. I felt like there was some comfort there. I almost felt like the pastor, who I think his name was Gary as well. I Ironically, I've had a couple of Gary pastors in my life. <laughs> he, I felt like he was like, you know, he knew I was, you know, potentially, and me and my brother both, we were divorced kids, so maybe we got a little extra attention from Aww. Pastor Gary, which I, I loved. And I remember, I distinctly remember at one point he said I would make a good pastor. I remember Aww. that. And I looked at him I was like, and I smiled. Okay, I was like, oh hell no! Like I don't <laughs> want to be a pastor. I don't want to wear those robes and you know da da da. But I also remember in one of my Sunday school experiences, we had tests. So we were no. learning the Bible. We had tests where they would pass out worksheets like our kids bring You're home. You're kidding. No, no, no. We had worksheets. And I remember feeling a little anxiety around that because yeah. I did not grow up with yeah. that, right? So in fifth or sixth grade, we were kind of entered into that. Can I imagine like now, right? If a new kid shows yeah. up to a youth group and they get a test, like that would not be <laughs> welcoming whatsoever. But I also remember when one of the teachers left the room, I remember these kids throwing Bibles at each other wow. and like whipping each other in mean ways. And I have a vague memory of a kid being mean to me, but maybe it was too traumatic and I blacked it out. So I can't remember any specifics. But there, that's sort of my, my Sunday school from a kid, you know, memory is uh, there was things I liked about it. There mm-hmm. were some weird things about it. Um, I don't remember ever sitting in a large, you know, gathering, right? So kind of like how we were talking off podcast to prep. What do we think about it today? You know, with, first of all, total unfortunate name (laughs) because you're not getting good PR when you call something Sunday school. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I guess giving tests and stuff makes it feel like that. Oh my gosh. You gave me a look there that I crossed. Oh, I just felt like you were. Go ahead. (laughs) What? Tell me. I'm I just felt like you were moving on and we were going to s- talk about some other things oh, before no, you sorry. start launching into others. I don't others. know. I'm just chatting. What you, <laughs> give me, You're like, oh, give me well, some direction. Um, well, I just was thinking about my own Sunday school experience okay. and how I barely remember um, going, like, younger than middle school, barely remember it. But um, I know that I didn't really complain about it. Like it was just something that we did. I understood this was part of our rhythm of our family. And then middle school, it started feeling. Wait, what age? Did I you mean, start going from, in middle school? No, I think we were, I feel like I was young. Oh, I thought you My parents start. tell stories and 
mom and dad, you guys can chime in and correct me if <laughs> like, I'm wrong. Like they're listening. You're listening. <laughs> um, but I remember them telling stories about them wanting us to grow up learning about God and having good morals, but they were at a point where they didn't want to hear Yeah, didn't they drop messages. you off? So they would, I think they would put us in Sunday school and they yeah. would sit in the parking lot in the car. Right. And then pick us up. Okay, yeah, I remember school. that. So I don't have a ton of memories of, of that time, but at some point they really wanted to start attending church and being a part of things and their own faith was growing. And that's when, um, I think Sunday school and church life became more of a, a bigger deal for us. So and did you like it? Do you remember? Her? Do you have fond memories? Not fond, pre-middle school, but once we hit middle school, I loved our youth leaders, and I always thought youth group during the midweek was so fun. I had never been like, oh my gosh, like people are shoving marshmallows in their mouths and doing all these silly things, and I th- I felt like our youth pastor was so crazy and so fun that um, it made me want to be there even on Sundays. That was Chuck Weisson. Yes. Who, we might have talked about this on a previous podcast, he was one of my college professors at one point too. And now I think he works in Santa Cruz at a camp, yeah. right? It's like Christian. executive director yeah, like or mission, something. Mission. We should tag him in this. Oh, Chuck Weisson. And talk about full circle. He ended up mentoring your brother when he was ch- oh, that's church true. planting. That's yeah. true. So there's a positive story of someone who had a positive impact in your life. For sure. Made things fun. And he is the ultimate youth pastor like yeah. he's the person who you want running programs like that's the th- I, I i'm so not that and I, I never even i didn't want yeah i don't want that kind of yeah. pastor in my life <laughs> so it's so funny like that had a positive effect i would probably roll my eyes a bit like oh boy oh maybe but well, when, if you were in Chuck. middle school you would have loved exactly it. there yeah. you go yeah so that was good. Yeah. And then now we've had experiences like having our own kids. And I think I just assumed that they would follow mm. in my footsteps what it's like to grow up in a church and how yeah. it would feel. And that's just what we do. And and we've definitely gotten some pushback from them. Like, we don't like it. We don't want to go. Can we mm-hmm. just sit with you? And... Again, I think mm-hmm. we mentioned before, it's not anybody's fault necessarily, but it's just kind of boiled down to mm-hmm. them just really wanting to stay with us. Mm-hmm. At least two out of our three kids want to stay with us in the larger worship gathering and yeah. not go to a Sunday school. Now, you know, some of the, like the youth attractional philosophy, right, is, you know, some of these big mega churches have like seven story bounce houses and yes. they have like Sunday bars, you know, and they have all this stuff to lure the youth. Right. <laughs> uh, I wonder if that would be different if we had access to that stuff. That's true. And that's, that's an interesting thing now that, you know, I'm a part of a much smaller church than I have ever been a part of. We don't have all of the, the clowns and the bells and the whistles, mm-hmm. you know, to attract the kids. We have six kids and one, you know, leader mm-hmm. and it's difficult, right? We don't have, you know, the finances to have all this other stuff. So it's, I don't know, it's a, it's a, it's a thing when I, as a pastor, when I think about growing and being mm. effective, right? There are some people just who are, oh, I almost said quote unquote, hun. Oh, but you stopped yourself. I stopped myself. Just say it without the quote unquote <laughs> okay, and right. see how that feels. There are churches who are 
supposedly more effective than other church uh-huh. because they have big buildings, big programs, uh-huh. uh, fancy dancy authors, you know, who yeah. are speaking and, you know, selling their books in the Christian coffee shop. Yeah. Uh, and that's challenging. That's a, that's a challenging thing to have to, you know, cause we, I, as parents of our kids, we want our kids to experience God and mm-hmm. to have good fond memories like we did mm-hmm. and to go to these things. But they're, you know, if they're not accessing it, then oh, there's a little void there. And, you know, I think one, I don't know, one thing I, I, I have to surrender is like, well, they're going to find their own faith and their own formation and it doesn't have to be like ours. And in, and in some way, I'm kind of glad. I mean, we have our youngest usually sitting with us in worship gatherings, and they're hearing the, the adult conversation, and they're picking things up, and mm-hmm. they're able to form, you know, their questions and their responses as, you know, in, in their own way. And that's kind of a, a good thing. Mm-hmm. I definitely know, like, for friends of ours that are, checking out churches and trying to find like, where can we land? We moved to a new city or whatever. Where can we land? It's definitely a draw to go to a place where your kids Mm -hmm. are happy and Mm want to go back. Like, even if you feel like, oh, that's not, that wouldn't be my first choice, but the kids program is rocking and my kids are had so much fun and they came out and they were mm-hmm. like they've got these prizes and they've got these stories and mm-hmm. maybe even um maybe even there's some sincere great seeds that were planted that yeah. they got you know they made some connections about yeah. god god's love for them or something like that so it's not all a wash i would sure. say even if they come home with a bag of tricks and treats um yeah one church is giving out like sweatshirt hoodies and water <laughs> bottles this one right. over here is giving out paper plates with glued on macaroni right. exactly <laughs> which one are you going to go back to but that's frustrating as a as a pastor because we can't like we can't compete with all those things yeah. we can't and it does become a competition it really does yeah. that's the part you know i talked about early on in this series uh, that, you know, it is, there's a business element to it. Like mm. churches are competing against each other. Who has the best Sunday school? Who has the best children's program? And that gets tricky for me. I feel the weight of that. I feel, mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I get concerned for our souls. And I don't mean to be like, you know, super spiritualizing that, but just the fact that it does carry a weight of unhealthy responsibility, I think, for certain pastors. Uh, they're always youth pastors and people doing children ministry. There mm-hmm. always is a struggle to get people to volunteer, mm-hmm. uh, and really, we are we know what it feels like to have those kids in with us in a worship gathering, mm-hmm. and sometimes it's super distracting for us. We can't focus. So part of the reason why I think children's programs put so much money and effort is they want to get the adults. They want to get yeah. the adults. It's almost like, hey, you sort of lure the adults in for like a date, (laughs) come, you know, get a Ted talk, get some music, get some good coffee for an hour and 15 minutes and have, don't have to deal with your kids. And so that's in some way how (laughs) churches get money because I think it's like we're, we're paying, we're basically paying babysitters. We're paying (laughs) youth program, youth pastors and and children's workers to program stuff for our kids so that we can actually have a, 
a time off to not have to like get a snack, you know, goldfish out of my pocket and, you know, mm-hmm. blah, 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 juice box here and there. I don't know. What do you think about that? I just think that's an interesting way to phrase it. Like lure them so that you could babysit my kids. I and, know. That's super I mean, facetious. That is, not, that is not how it feels. I think I have friends that are a part of churches where kids are in the gathering with them mm-hmm. and they have shared that that's a really positive thing and mm-hmm. that kids get to be a participant of the larger church body. They're not pulled out mm-hmm. to have their own thing and they feel separate, but they feel like they're a part of the bigger church gathering. And honestly, I think about how that feels for me. I have two kids that sit with me in the larger worship, mm-hmm. <laughs> worship gatherings on a regular basis. And I'm like, I barely got to interact with other adults because mm-hmm. my kids are pulling on me or they're like, when are we going to go? Or giving me, you know, the <laughs> signals that they're, they just mm-hmm. do not want to put up with yeah. me interacting with people, which I think is an important part of a Sunday yes, morning exactly. for me. And then also like, it's hard to focus on what's being taught because I'm like, mom, this doesn't work or pen clicking or feet pushing against another chair. And I feel like I'm just yeah. parenting that whole time. Yeah. So obviously it's on me. I mean, I can hear some people being like, well, you just tell your kids they need to not interrupt. And do. First of all, but, it was your choice to become a first parent. First of all, you're the mom, so you need to straighten them up. But the reality is if they were pumped to go to Sunday school, I feel like I could send them off and I could be like, okay, hi, I'm here. Can mm-hmm. I reach out to somebody who's sitting by themselves? Can I look beyond my own little chaos mm-hmm. and and go and, you know, be an active participant mm-hmm. in a worship gathering. Mm-hmm. So I feel like there's both sides to it where I I want them to be a feel like they're a part of a larger church gathering and to be known and to interact with people that are more than, you know, 10 years old. Um, but I also feel like, okay, well, the cost of that is my... Attention is divided. Yeah. Well, like you were saying, some of your friends are really pro having kids in, and that's their church's style. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure it's because they're smaller churches. True. And they can't afford to have somebody to oversee it. But I did. Well, I I bet it's the philosophy. Sure. But I I was going to say, but I do think there is there is some intentional. Yeah. Positive results and consequences of that, you know, Mm because we do hear this. I have heard you know, kids who are always ushered out into their separate thing. In fact, I don't like the word children's church. It's like my, one of my least favorite things. I know I'm, I'm down on language a lot. It just <laughs> seems like, cause a church isn't just about one thing demographic or one, you know, it's, it's like saying singles church or, oh, I see. or whatever, right? Yeah. Children's church is like, so this is just for the children mm. being basically, it's like, communicating church equals a program where we sing songs and, you know, wave palm branches and give you whatever. That's not what the church is. We know we've talked about that extensively here. What is the church? So I like the idea of when kids are involved, Mm -hmm. it communicates them as they're growing up, like, oh, an element of being the church is learning to sing and share and talk about the Bible and worship in creative ways and that type of thing, you know, for this hour and a half every Sunday. So we know, you know, I was a college pastor for a long time. I would inherit these students who were a part of youth group, but were never a part of a larger worship gathering. All of a mm-hmm. sudden they graduate high school and it's like, there's 
expectations on you to be an adult, to be a fully formed, you know, disciple of Jesus who engages in the larger fellowship. Yeah. And they would all like, you know, kind of push against that. One, because it felt like there was a bunch of old people that they didn't know. Mm -hmm. Uh, It wasn't their style. Mm -hmm. You know, they're used to more fun rah-rah things. And all of a sudden you go to a Sunday morning and they're not playing games. You know, (laughs) they're not doing a a talk where they're passing out uh, candy every time you raise your hand and interact. That's a big (laughs) shock to one system, right? (laughs) Maybe if we did that on Sunday morning, we'd get more people. I don't know. So I, I think... The other way, like what you're saying, when kids are involved in that, this becomes normative. Like, oh, this is what we do, and mm-hmm. I know how to interact, hopefully. I mean, mm-hmm. hopefully. Mm-hmm. I was going to say something else about the Sunday school thing. And it, <laughs> and it, do you have any more questions on your little sheet? Uh, no, it just made me think, like, in the, the church that we're a part of now, I definitely see at least our 10-year-old is tracking, even though she might be drawing something yeah. while a message is going on, she'll like nudge me and be like, wait, so what does that mean about Adam and Eve? And how is that? (laughs) You know, she's like, oh, I'm like, oh, she's listening. And she's got some bigger faith questions. And I really like that she's hearing what I'm hearing and we can talk about it. Yeah. And then oftentimes there's a question and response time at the end of the message. And there's like this teen boy who almost always speaks up Uh and he's got a really good (laughs) insightful comment and I love that like he feels comfortable and it's like oh yeah it's you know it's a good question that is because it's a smaller faith community Uh and there's some comfortableness there that he's grown up seeing like oh I can can speak up I love that I remember years ago you know someone saying something about like we just need more kids singing in church you know what I mean? And what they're saying is like, just parade them up front, put them up there and let us go, oh, that's so cute. <laughs> you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I always felt uncomfortable with that because there are some kids who love to be up front. There's some kids right. who just love, but yeah. there are kids like our kids, like that would be like the, like, that would be like death to them. <laughs> like, do not make me sing in front of people. Right. You know, imagine like when you're, when you're young and your parents' friends are over and you're like, hey, come over here, Wendy. Come over here, do that dance right. <laughs> you were doing before. Right. It's really about the parents showing off in some way. Mm-hmm. It's about the parents going, look how great my kid is. And I always felt like that in a church setting when we paraded kids up for Christmas or Easter. It makes people think, oh, that's so cute. But is it really doing anything for our the souls of our kids? Uh, because, you know, I think we have to be honest in this confession is that a lot of what we do on a Sunday, and I'm not saying it's all bad, it's performance. We do Mm -hmm. a show. We do. I mean, even with the smaller church I'm a part of now, I am spending time during my week crafting what I'm going to say, crafting images and videos and slides. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Matt, my co-pastor, is doing music and he's practicing, right? We care about those things. There's an idea, an element of performance and production and being polished. I mean, to the extent for the smaller gatherings we do now, there's a lesser expectation, right? We're not doing smoke machines like some churches are doing. (laughs) But, you know, I always felt uh, like the the tension of wanting to follow being like in the spirit and and flow and go, okay, but there's still people looking at their watches, you know, and Sunday school kids leave for their time. The 
you know, the pastor knows he's got so much time or she's got so much time to speak before the kids come back or whatever it is. But yeah. there is a program here that's like, that's the part of the machine uh-huh. that sometimes really gets me. And so when I think about, you know, being the church and the Sunday experience or the Sunday school, uh, I think we've just got ourselves in a little bit of a pickle, uh, mm-hmm. you know, as people uh, who work with the church and there's an expectation and, you know, I, People are paying for that experience and they got to get to lunch and they, you know, they hold you up with this idea that, you know, this is your job. And so please put out, you Mm -hmm. know, so that's, I don't know, that's always hard. I just rambled a bunch of different things, but it started with the idea of putting kids up into this space. How do we, how do we include them and Mm -hmm. not patronize them? Mm -hmm. You know, how do we. Uh, welcome them and partner with them and not just use them as tokens, right? Tokens of worship. Cause right. I think that could easily happen. But this, this reminds me of one of my positive stories when I was in high school and I started getting back involved in a church on my own decision. I wanted to learn about Jesus. I was invited by some friends. I talked about this early on in the podcast, how I came to know Jesus in this personal way that really transformed my life. But within months of me getting involved, I was a senior in high school. (laughs) Within months, I was being mentored by this pastor. And he said, hey, um, I really think it'd be great if you could come early because they had two different hours of like worship gatherings and two different hours of Sunday schools. Mm -hmm. And the Sunday school where the high schoolers met was later. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I forget how it all worked out, but there are some churches that are so dang big. They have this hour and this hour and that hour, blah, blah, blah. So they come to the earlier hour, you could serve the fourth graders and then go to the high school group, high school Sunday school. And I said, okay, cool. Like I thought I was going to be a helper, pass out treats or whatever. (laughs) But he gave me the curriculum. I had to like learn it within the week and then teach it. I'm like, like, dude, I just came to know Jesus myself. How am I going to (laughs) teach other people? And I remember feeling so overwhelmed, but it was so cool because I had this, I mean, I can tell like, like the back of my hand, I remember it. I was teaching about Jesus's resurrection, coming to meet Peter on the beach and Peter fishing and swimming after seeing Jesus being resurrected. I think there was felt boards and, you know, stuff like that, that I got to use. And I remember as I'm teaching, I had spent the whole week rehearsing, preparing, but while I'm teaching, it's coming out of my, my mouth. Like, so Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? And he said it a second time, Peter, do you love me? He said it a third time, Peter, do you love me? And all of a sudden I'm like, as I'm teaching the kids, I remember going, oh, I get it. I get it now. (laughs) He was saying, Peter, I forgive you for denying me three times. Mm -hmm. It was the way the story was written. Like, oh my gosh, it made total (laughs) sense. And I remember the kids laughed and I told my pastor mentor guy, oh, that was awesome. Like, I need to do that again. Like that felt so good to teach because as I was teaching, I was learning. Mm. So positive outcomes, I think. Mm -hmm. Most volunteers, uh, most don't, I don't know. I don't say most, but a lot of volunteers kind of begrudgingly give their time to students because they feel like that's what they should do. And no, I they, hope not. <laughs> and they don't have room. I mean, think about all the times you have to go to group and you're like, oh, man, like I got to, you know, jump in. I got to jump in and, you know, be with kids when I would like just to have my own time. Right. I totally get it. But, you know, <laughs> it's the right thing to do to serve our kids. Right. So I think there's there's this this is thing that when we can get over ourselves and I mean serving is mm-hmm. sacrificing mm-hmm. it actually has benefits like totally. I don't always think like that totally because I feel like volunteering all the things I volunteer to do yeah 
I'm like, oh, they need help. Yeah. <laughs> I better do it. You yeah. know, even with the church I, I'm paid to be a part of, there are things that I, <laughs> I, I do. I'm like, I probably should do that. Yeah. I probably should do that because yeah. who else is going to do it? You know, it's yeah. hard. It is hard. I mean, I think that's kind of the beauty of it. It's like, okay, Lord, I am doing this for you because clearly I would rather be in my pajamas mm-hmm. at seven o'clock on a Wednesday night, but I feel like this is where you have me. And mm-hmm. so, you know, mm-hmm. I'm going to go for it. But I love that you found that teaching brought you yeah. more understanding yes. about it. And that's where... I think I'm I'm on the fence about do kids do we just blanket include kids and everything in the worship gathering or do we have something special? I just think developmentally like yeah, kids they need it. like things yes. that really sink in are when they can hold an object and then connect that That's or right. hear about like a school scenarios where yeah. God is a part of your school situation. And so then you can kind of hold on to that a little bit more than an adult message that tends to be, you know, Longer, about adult living. Intellectual. <laughs> yes. Well, just think I, that comment makes me think, I think human beings need a plethora of learning styles. True. But Sunday morning typically lends yeah. toward a, teaching style of listen, yeah. you know, lecturing, that type of thing. Yeah. And so people sit in rows, which isn't the best way for people to grow. And so I think, you know, what you're saying reminds me, thankfully, like our, our little church in Nevada, we have the freedom to try different things. But it reminds me, adults need to touch things. Adult, adults need mm-hmm. uh, to interact. Adults need to talk to each other and not just sit and listen. Yeah. So, What's, yeah, I think that's a good, a good point. Like there are some benefits and maybe that's why churches should practice with rotation. Like, Hey, mm. you know, uh, every other week, you know, kids are in or the first of the, the month, there's a special time where it's just led by kid, whoever, like think about how you can interact with all different ages on a Sunday morning and try different things. If you're mm-hmm. always doing the same thing, it, you can probably, you know, expect people to check out. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I think one of my friends who I think is a stronger proponent of um, kids being involved in the larger worship gathering, that's kind of her lifestyle is Mm -hmm. I'm going to serve with the kids. If you're going to go on a mission trip, you go with your kids. If you're going to help in homeless ministry, your kids participate as well. And so it's like your whole life is showing them the love of God in all these different areas, including the larger worship gathering, but also um, all these ex- outside rest of the week um, situations. And so then they get to see how you're choosing to spend your time and mm-hmm. what does what your family value? Let's mm-hmm. bring kids along. That's why I'm always trying to bring our kids to stuff, Wendy. Yeah. And I always get in these conversations because I always am trying to squeeze in things with work and Brave Maker, my nonprofit, my production stuff. And we have to, you know, like a lot of families, we have to juggle. Like, okay, you have to take this person to dance and this person's got a meeting over here at school and this person's got a play date and I'm, I got work. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm like, Hey, I want to bring, you know, one of the the kids, I had a thing this week and I thought, Oh, this is just a great way for them to learn and see what I do. And maybe this is something they're interested in. Like I was writing, I'm writing a script right now. Uh, and one of my daughters was sitting down next to me. She's like, can I just watch? I was like, sure. Then she's asking me a million questions. Well, why did you do that? I'm like, um, hold on. I can't answer that <laughs> because I got to get this out. <laughs> I have a deadline. 
But yeah, I think that is a, a good a good way for exposure and for kids to learn and and you know it's like all of us need those. That's relational, right? Like we, yeah. we learn by doing and seeing and participating. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, good. Any cool. other stuff on Sunday school? I don't think so. Can we rename it? Can we rebrand it? What would you call it? The Sunday experience. Whoa. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Harry Potter world. That would get a lot of kids to go. Hogwarts. No. Come on the Hogwarts Express. Oh my gosh. How about Everybody? when churches change things to be like Christian? Right, so like, so instead of like Hogwarts, they would say like Godwarts. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and they make the whole you know west wing of the church building Godwarts, and it's instead of like wizards, <laughs> witches, oh it's like prophets and prophetesses. Or something. You know that comedian John Christ? Do you oh, guys oh know yeah. John oh Christ? Yeah, yeah. He was just oh talking gosh. about he was at a parade and they were parading. Jesus shark do 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 because the oh, baby geez. shark song is yeah. so big, and yeah. so they had to like Change take it. that over. Yeah. So this float coming down a parade oh. had oh, no. crosses and people singing Jesus shark do do. No, no. <sighs> we <sighs> we were tough. talking about this other podcast that I can say we listen to, but Wendy listens to it more. Uh huh. The podcast. And remember oh, the, shout out oh, it's to favorite. Knox and Jamie at the podcast. <laughs> but they I were talking it. about how do you know, like, if you're going to really connect with somebody and how do you know if you're not going to connect <laughs> with somebody? <laughs> and I, I have a hard time connecting with somebody who's got to change everything to be, you know, the, the Christianese version of stuff. So, like, I like a, a good Reese's peanut butter cup, but I don't need... <laughs> it to be the shape <laughs> of a cross. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love a good Altoid as much as anybody else. I love having good breath, but I don't need testaments. <laughs> <laughs> In the shape of an Ichthus fish. <laughs> So not not to diss that. I mean, once in a while is fine. If you want to stuff my stocking <laughs> with a little bit, Testaments. with a little bit of Jesus mouthwash, it's fine. <laughs> you know, it's red for the blood of Christ, which is a good segue for communion. Oh, communion! Yeah, let's talk let's about some talk. communion. Okay. Um, so we got uh, an email. Thank you for sending an email, Susie Peterson, to the podcast at BraveMaker.com email. She has a fun uh, communion thing. So this is a good launch into this part, this section of Confessions of a Pastor. So she said communion with her church is mostly done by, this is a great church word, intinction. Say what it, say does it that with me. Mean? Intinction. It basically means that you take, pull up some bread okay. and then dip it into something, right? Okay. Uh, some churches do with those little tiny cups and the wine, but they do it with like come up and sit in a line, pull some bread, dip it. A lot of churches do that. Okay. Right? Like in one big cup that everybody has dipped in? I guess so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like we've been a part of, you know, uh-huh. we've done that, right? Uh, so she said so she said at her wedding they were going through the communion procedures, but they didn't actually practice the words that they were going to share <laughs> share with guests. So her and her husband were each going to assist the ministers with the wine. So at the ceremony she says, he and I each took our own communion and we took our places on each side ready to hold the cup for the guests to dip their bread into the, she said, quote unquote, blood hmm. of Jesus. However, panic set in as the first person came up and her mind went blank, she said. She didn't know what she was supposed to say. <laughs> but since it was her dad 
that was one of the ministers, I assume, he told her to say the blood of Jesus shed for you. So she just discreetly asked him, okay, good. We're good to go. Thank goodness. But after the ceremony, she asked her husband, she's like, well, what did you say? It turned out he had a similar problem and he didn't know what to say. <laughs> so he just said, one dip only, <laughs> one, <laughs> one dip, dip only, all the one people. dip only. <laughs> so all the people on his side of the communion line got gypped. They didn't hear anything about Jesus. <laughs> Which oh, this funny. makes me think of all the times I've led communion there. Mm-hmm. I feel so much more freer to do it, you know, this season of life and probably the past few years. Yeah. But I remember early on, I would feel a little bit trembly, right? You know, oh. having to say the words of, I think they call it the words of institution, right? Mm-hmm. So the words of institution are, you know, on the night he was betrayed, Jesus took the cup. You know what I mean? And if you read different sections in the scripture, yeah. sometimes they say it a little bit different. Sometimes they have like two different cups, like what's happening here? Mm. Uh, and then you read in Corinthians, Paul gives instructions. So uh, with the many churches I've been involved with, you know, there are sometimes like rules and regulations and policies. And sometimes people can get really angry. Like I've been told you didn't do it right. Mm. Or you are a little irreverent about that. Mm. Uh, There are some churches (laughs) that, and I don't, I mean, hey, to each his own. Like we are all on a journey and it's good. (laughs) (laughs) And if you think that this sacrament, which sacrament is like something that's holy and sacred. There are people who think that when you all of a sudden pray over these elements, it literally becomes the body and the blood of Jesus. Now, some of you are listening, the four or five pastors who listen. Carlos DeVita said he's the fifth pastor. Did I say there's only four pastors listening? I I might have. He said he's now the fifth. Great. I'm glad you're listening, Carlos. Shout out, Carlos. So there are some pastors who are going to like grip the sides of their car as they're driving with a panic because they feel like I'm a heretic now and I very well might be. In what way? Because there are these thinking and these thoughts around communion about the what these elements are. And so to each his own, if you believe that that is what happens, I think that's cool and beautiful, but it also lends to some challenges that if this is literally the blood and the body of Jesus... I have a pastor friend who told me she was delivering communion with a church that does that. And mm-hmm. she she cracked the matzah, like the blood, the body of Jesus broken for you. A big piece flew onto the floor. And in this tradition of this church, every single bit of bread needs to be eaten. You can't throw it out because it's the body of oh. Jesus. So she said she had to pick it up. And I guess it was like her responsibility to eat it. Because I could be off here, but in some <laughs> traditions, the pastor priest has to go back and eat all the bread afterwards because you can't throw it away, right? Because it's the blood and body of Jesus. So it has to be ingested. Because <laughs> we're going to do keep it till next week. It's going to be stale and crusty. You've got to eat it then and there. Wow. Right? Yeah. So all this to say that I think we've got some interesting things to deal with when it comes to communion. I I believe... What's the purpose of communion? Oh, let's get there. What is the purpose of communion? What do yeah. you think? What to does remember. it mean to you? Yeah, to remember, okay. To remember that Jesus died on the cross for us, that we have a right relationship with God because of it. So thank you, Jesus. You <laughs> died on the cross for us. Wow. <laughs> Tell me. I So, okay, I'm... I'm in this interesting place now where I'm thinking, right? So you've obviously, 
You've been a part of my life now for quite some time, <laughs> Wendy Rose. <laughs> I try to think about Jesus, his life, his message, his story, every way in any day. And so I try and think about that and even tell our kids, like, any, you know, you got a ding dong and you got some chocolate milk, like, communion, think about Jesus. That's why I think the beautiful thing about the Last Supper was here's Jesus having lunch, dinner, dinner, his last with his friends. Hey, I'm going to die. Hey, I want you to remember my life. And the simplest thing that everybody does on an everyday basis, well, most people, because some people are starving, sad. You're going to eat, so remember me. So, you know, there are, oh, there are some people who are super intentional. Like, it's got to be unleavened bread. It has to be just <laughs> like the Last Supper. I've heard that mm. before. I have heard that. Mm-hmm. But if you're in Mexico or in China, you ain't got no unleavened bread potentially. So you use a tortilla or you use rice or you use seaweed or whatever. You use whatever you can. I think that's the beautiful thing for me. Now, I got to do some more thinking about Jesus dying on the cross thing, you know, I'm in this space of like deconstructing what <laughs> is the atonement. Mm. Did Jesus have to die to make a right relationship with us? Oh my gosh. I, <laughs> I, so all that to say, that's not on the table for me, <laughs> but it is to remember that he gave his body willingly, that he was willingly nailed to a cross mm-hmm. to show that he was willing, that the love of God is, scandalous and can be misunderstood and is sacrificial and is holy. And so I'm still processing all that stuff, but the simplest fact of what is communion is yeah. To remember, to remember Jesus, to make us think, cause we're so busy. We go to go about our day mm-hmm. and, but so now translate that into 2000 years later, mm-hmm. we do it with these little tiny cups and a little tiny cracker that like gets stuck between my teeth. It's like nothing. Well, different people, obviously. Different churches do different exactly. things. But that's how you've been. Yeah. Yeah. And thankfully, there's been an array of different communion experiences over yeah. our church experience. I like the intention. I like, well, I like some good, like nice French, Italian, sour bread. Like pull it up, dip it. And our kids sometimes like double dip. Sorry. And eat up as much communion as possible. I think that's fine. Like have yeah. three, four. Why not? Right? Yeah. Donald Miller in his book... Oh, what book is it? Um, I'm just going to say one of his books. Okay. Talked about if the disciples were to come back today and see us waiting in line in a church service to dip or to do whatever, like they'd be so confused, (laughs) right? Like, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. Right. The last supper was a Passover supper. It was a long hour upon our gathering of talking and remembering. And that, going back to communion last supper, that was them remembering being freed from slavery in Egypt. That Passover meal was mm. another meal that was given to remember, ooh, I'm getting chills just thinking about that. Mm. Like to make the connection that Jesus was doing something that Moses, that um, you know, that the story of Moses was passed down to them. Mm-hmm. Like that's pretty beautiful to think about. So that's why I think it's probably more appropriate to have elongated suppers where you're remembering and you're talking, you're telling stories. How, what has God done in your life? How have you experienced God? How has God freed you from whatever, from sin, from lies, from people pleasing, from addiction, from religion, right? Like those type of stories, those relational stories happen with 
you know, food. We all need food. We love mm-hmm. food. I mean, we're obviously in a fast food nation and uh, we don't have a lot of time because we got to get our kid to baseball practice or <laughs> dance practice or a rehearsal and you've got to go to a meeting and I got at this and blah, blah, blah. So yeah, maybe that's part of the, the challenge for us is we have made communion another thing on our program list, you know, our, our, our church cue sheet. It's, you got 10 minutes and, you know, I've been there. Sometimes that's all you get. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sing two songs and pray. You know, here's the sheet. Make sure you say the right words and cool. Done. Yeah. But the invitation is to sit and to talk and to remember, to grieve. I think that's a lot more maybe what Jesus intended than what we've made it today. Mm-hmm. Which sounds almost like casual, mm-hmm. like the, making the sacred. Right, yeah. uh, incorporating the sacred into yeah. a very casual, this is how we do life mm-hmm. type scenario, mm-hmm. and um, I think that sounds really appealing. But I think some people might be like clutching their pearls, yeah. like how could you <laughs> clutching their pearls? <laughs> how could you dare say you know take it off of the altar? Yes. and take the line sure. out of it. You know the people standing in line and the priest or whatever, like making that a holy experience Mm -hmm. and just making that an everyday in your home, talking with your Mm -hmm. family and you've got Oreos and milk or whatever. I love it. I mean, I've definitely been reprimanded. You know, I've gotten anonymous letters and not so anonymous letters and, you know, pastoral consults about how to do it, which cause a lot of like anxiety. Like, am I doing it right? And I don't think that's what's intended. I don't think we're meant to have to worry about you know, saying the exact words, it's the heart, mm-hmm. you know, I think we need to have a discussion. I was having a Facebook interaction this week about mm-hmm. the Bible and what mm-hmm. those words mean. And I think we need to discuss that a little bit more and figure out how do we make sense of these words and these stories? How do we pass them on? Yes. I believe there is a sacrament, a sacredness to these stories, to this book, to this life that we live. And at the same time, if it's causing anxiety and condemnation and we're harshly judging people for not getting it right. Like, wow, we're missing the point of this relationship with the divine, with the creator. We've been invited to know this creator who loves us and knows us intimately to remember how this creator has worked in our life, not just our life, but in the world, in the story of our faith. That's Mm -hmm. pretty, uh, I mean, it's beautiful and it's simple and it's profound and it's royal and it's Average, ordinary, every day, you know, mm-hmm. all that. That's cool. Thank you. Boom. Boom. Okay. Anything else we should talk um, about? Well, I want to do something fun. I want to oh. say oh. I would like to reward people who have listened the whole way through uh-huh. this. Uh-huh. And um, I just I love... Have, I have something. Go ahead. Okay, I love. I love when people come up and say, "Like, oh I listened gosh. to that last thing." That's like, true. We were hiking today. We were hiking today. Let's somebody... shout out to the Johnsons. We won't say their first name. It could be any Johnsons because <laughs> they didn't give us permission. But the Johnsons saw us on the yeah. hiking trail, and then um, she said, "You know, oh, I've been listening. I listened to this. Uh-huh. I listened to that one, and it's so fun, it fun every once in a while to run into somebody yeah. who said they've been listening to Holy yeah. Cannoli. So if you're listening." And we don't know it. Chances are we don't know it. Yeah, tell us. I want to know. Yeah. Tell us that you've I been get listening. it. Some it's people fun. don't want to comment. Like people are the people who troll and, and, and it's more anonymous and it's safer and it's totally fine. But if you can, oh, you can even write us a review and share it with somebody. That's another way you can help 
but we'd like to know. We want your interactions. Thanks to Susie Peterson, who emailed. And Luke Covey, who also sent something. He said he wants to know what parts of the Bible I don't like. I'm like, ooh, that's a good discussion we can talk about ooh, when we talk about the Bible. But you wanted to reward people. How oh, do you yeah. want to reward I people? I just thought it'd be fun. Maybe somebody who's listened all the way up until this point of this episode. Uh, so you didn't skip. So you didn't skip. <laughs> I have I, a phrase. Okay. I want to put, when you post this on the Holy Cannoli mm-hmm. Facebook page, mm-hmm. I think the first commenter to comment what? <laughs> My name is Grumpy Bell. <laughs> My name is Grumpy Bell. <laughs> then you're going to win a $5 Starbucks card. Yeah, So baby. be the first person to comment. My name is Grumpy <laughs> Bell. And we'll know exactly what that means. My name is Grumpy. Oh my gosh, that is amazing. Uh, I wonder if my mom remembers that. I'll have to ask her. I wonder if she has a photo. Mm, She might, but I don't know. We'll see. Okay. Let's find out. Thanks, Wendy, for chatting about Sunday school and chatting about communion. Obviously, we just touched the tip of the iceberg. And I'm saying this a lot when I'm in public places and speaking or one-on-one. This is just how I see it. Now, currently. This is how I've come to understand it currently. I could be wrong. You don't have to agree. (laughs) But I hope in some way this helps you. I like it. Cool. That's great. Cool. All right. Holy cannolers. We out. Life is sacred. Holy (laughs) Cannoli Podcast is a proud production of Brave Maker Media. For more information or to donate, go to bravemaker.com to make your tax-deductible donation today. Thanks for listening to Holy Cannoli. If you liked my dad's podcast, please subscribe, give it a review, and share it with someone you think would be encouraged by it.